Sunday, February the 25th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. So no guesses what I'm talking on this morning, um, as it was just on the screen. Um, but we've been in Feasting February now for four weeks. We've spoken about um, talking about solitude, uh, feasting on the love of God, and inviting to the feast. Today we're moving our focus on to the Word of God and feasting on the Word. And I want us to go on a bit of a journey this morning, talking about the what of the Bible, what is the Bible to us, why should we read the Bible, and how should we feast on the Word. Then I want to talk about a little bit about what gets in our way, and then into responding and reflecting on what we've heard. I want you to feel encouraged this morning, um, but I also want you to allow the Holy Spirit to challenge you this morning. I've not gone easy on us today, um, so be open to where you feel prompted by what the Spirit might say to you this morning. So what I want to take us through uh, has been a personal journey for me over the last four or five years. Um, it's been one of the key ways that I've seen Jesus take over my life in the last four or five years. Um, so I felt very known when I was asked to speak on the Word of God this morning um, at Burlington. So my journey into the scriptures really kick-started four years ago when I was in New Zealand. I was doing Soul Edge, which is a Christian discipleship um, and leadership program, which many of you will know about because many of us in the room have done it. Um, it's a, a leadership and discipleship program with a healthy dose of surfing and adventure, rock climbing uh, and mountain climbing thrown in. We were encouraged during that time to read the whole Bible in the five months that we were there. Um, and along with all of my peers, I failed to complete that challenge. But during that time, I grew to love the scriptures. I grew to love this rhythm of every day going in and starting our day in the, in the word. I drew closer to him through it, and I felt I became equipped with it um, through that time of being on Soul Edge. I received a word of prophecy from one of the leaders that I would be a gladiator. And on another occasion, I felt a heat on my right hand during worship, and I felt God saying he was equipping me with the sword of the Spirit, which some of you will know is the word of God in the description in Ephesians 6. Although I didn't finish reading the Bible in those five months, I did finish reading it in the remainder of 2020, and I felt equipped with it and in awe of it since. I felt that God has given it to me as a tool and also as a weapon in the sword. You might notice in my testimony that I didn't mention any times that I was taught about the Bible, that I didn't mention any talks that I heard on the Bible. All of the significant moments in my testimony were words of prophecy, nudgings of the Spirit, things that the God was doing in me through worship or coming to him or digging into the scriptures myself. So this morning I bring to you a talk on the Bible, knowing that this probably won't be the thing that changes your heart for the scriptures. So I have to humbly accept that, that my words probably aren't the thing that's going to change you this morning. So I understand that and I know that. But actually, if God is in this, if God speaks through what I say or if God speaks to you this morning through something different, that might change how you approach the scriptures. And I want us to see that without him here, there's nothing for you to take away. So before I continue, I want to pray over us this morning. Father, would you speak this morning? Holy Spirit, would you come and rest on us? that it would be your words, 
that take impact, that anything that's of me and not from you would fall to the wayside, Lord, and it would be your words. We'd open our hearts and our minds to hear what you're saying through your spirit on the word of God this morning. You'd lead us into feasting on your word from this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. At the end of our time on Soul Edge, we were given the task of doing a 30-minute talk on anything we could we wanted to do it on, and I did mine on the sword of the Spirit, the description of the Word of God that's given in Ephesians 6. Does anyone recognize which film this is from? Thanks, Joel. Anyone know the actual answer? Gladiator, yeah. Might make some of you feel old this morning, but this film was released a year before I was born. <laughs> sorry, sorry, everyone. Um, but I opened my talk on Soul Edge with the scene from The Gladiator, which you'll probably remember, which sticks in the mind, um, where he kills several of his enemies in the arena with the sword. And then he shouts, are you not entertained? I thought that clip was a bit gory for a Sunday morning, so I left it out this morning. But I think the, the image still remains. The point was about the biblical description of the word of God. The word for sword that's used in Ephesians 6 in the original, in original Greek is gladius which means short dagger, as he used in the film. The literal definition from the Greek means uh, a short dagger for stabbing and exacting retribution. It's a pretty gory description. It's a pretty visceral image that is used. It was an image that the reader would have been quite familiar with at the time, this image of gladiators in the arena with the short dagger killing their enemies. It was an effective weapon. They would have known that. They would have seen this description and thought of the arena, thought of them walking in, equipped with a sword. But no, the Bible says that the word of God is our sword. That is what we are equipped with in the arenas of our lives. Is that what we think of when we think of the Bible? Do we see it as this sword, this short dagger for exacting retribution? Is that how we come across the Bible? This description of the Bible comes at the end of the list of the armor of God, and it's actually the only offensive weapon that we're given in the armor of God. Everything else is for our protection. The Bible, the word of God, is our sword, is our one piece that we can use to fight back in our battles. It's the sword that we're given to fight back against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms as it says in Ephesians 6, verse 12. So the Bible is something we are equipped with to use outwardly as a sword to fight back against our spiritual evil. It's an outward weapon. You may be thinking, what are you going to do with the Bible? What are you going to do with that as a book? How can you inflict any damage? Mine's hardback, so that might actually hurt. (laughs) Um, But it won't do a lot of damage. It won't do damage like the sword would do. But actually, it is an outward weapon. I want to look at Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11 this morning. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I think there's a slight understatement from Matthew there. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, 
He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. It is written, it is written, it is written. Jesus used scripture against the temptations of the enemy to fight back. He used scripture as his sword in that moment to fight back against the enemy's temptations. It's a spiritual weapon that we get to use in our spiritual battles. Jesus quoted three scriptures in that passage in Matthew. Does anyone know which book of the Bible those three scriptures he quoted come from? Deuteronomy. Yeah. Deuteronomy. I don't know how many of us go to Deuteronomy in our moments of most spiritual turmoil. I don't, but Jesus did in that moment. And actually all of scripture is able to be used as our spiritual weapon. It's quite easy for us now that we have the new covenant and the new testament to pick and choose which scriptures we dwell on, to stay focused in the new testament. But actually 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful. Actually, the whole of scripture is Christocentric. Sounds like a long word, but it just means that Christ is at the center of it all. Christ is in the middle of it all, and it all points towards him. All of scripture points towards Jesus. We can see him everywhere in scripture, even in the Old Testament. Before we see him physically in the scriptures, we can see him in what is written before. In the Mosaic law of the Old Testament, we get to thank Jesus that we don't have to live by the thousands of laws that were given then, that actually he saved us from that and showed us so clearly that we can't save ourselves. We have to rely on his saving grace. In Exodus, I read recently that the long lists of garments that the priests, the original priests, Aaron and his sons, had to dress with. They had a turban which had an inscription on a plaque which said, Holy to the Lord, so that when they entered the place of the Most High, they wouldn't die. When they entered the presence of God, they wouldn't die. Through Jesus, as our high priest, as we heard about, we've been made holy to the Lord, that we can enter his throne room of grace boldly, without fear of dying. We see Jesus in that description in Exodus. We see what he has done for us even more clearly when we understand what came before. God can speak through all portions of scripture, so don't disregard any of them as Jesus did with Deuteronomy. So we can use all of scripture. So the offensive weapon of the sword of the spirit is an outward working of the Bible, but I also want us to look at its inward working and its inward effect on us too. When I was at school, we had swimming lessons sometimes during uh, our PE curriculum. And I remember vividly walking to school one day with two of my friends from school. I was in year seven. I walked with these two. I hadn't known them very long, but I walked with them every day. We had PE. We were talking about how easy it was to pack for PE, you know, um, for swimming even more so than PE. We didn't have to take trainers or extra kit or anything. It was just swimming trunks and your swimming hat and a towel. My friend chirped in. 
My eyes widened, a cold sweat came over me, and my heart dropped to my chest. You know when you forget something and your heart drops and you realize? I'd forgotten a towel for swimming. I turned around, I ran back home, ran all the way home, ran all the way back to school. I made it on time, so I was okay. But it was still quite an embarrassing experience having to turn away from two of my friends that I'd only recently met to run home because I'd forgotten a towel for swimming. Much more embarrassing that than that was the second time I forgot a towel for swimming, and I didn't realize until I was had already swum and I was dripping wet, searching through my bag for my towel, which wasn't there. I managed to dry myself as best I could, sort of wiping myself down. But it wasn't as effective as having a towel. And it was a very embarrassing experience. I was completely unprepared in that moment. You see the segue now. I was completely unprepared in that moment when I didn't have my towel. I hadn't prepared before. Do you think Jesus was unprepared when he was in the wilderness? Do you think those scriptures just came to his mind by chance? Or do you think he'd studied them? Do you think he'd prepared his entire life studying the scriptures, studying what they said, so that he could draw them to mind in his moment of need? Do you want to be like me in swimming with no towel? Or do you want to be like Jesus in the wilderness, equipped with the word of God? Let's look again at Hebrews 4, verse 12, that Linda read to us. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Bible is an inward challenge as well as an outward weapon. We have to let the Bible challenge us before we can go out and defeat any enemies spiritually. Before we can be equipped with it, we have to go and allow it to equip us. We have to go to it. We have to let the sword of the Spirit attack us first before we attack others or our enemies with it. We have to allow it to challenge us. We have to allow it to shape us. So the Bible is an outward weapon, but it's also an inward challenge. More often than not, when I read the Bible, I feel challenged reading it. I feel stretched. I feel like I've not got this all right yet. Far less often do I feel like, yeah, I'm getting this right. I've done that. That's all good. We need to let it sort us out inwardly. We need to let that inward challenge happen first before we go and fix the outward mess. That leads me into the why of the Bible. Why should we read the Bible? Why should we try to feast on the word? A quote that I've heard that I really like is this. If your Bible is closed, don't complain that God isn't speaking. It's challenging, but it's, it's, it's so good that actually the Bible is something that speaks to us. It's one of the means that God speaks to us through. It's not the only one, but it's so crucial that if you feel God isn't speaking to you in this season, first open your Bible. Go to him in the scriptures. It's not an opportunity for us to invite God to speak. If we do open our Bible, it's an opportunity to open our hearts and our minds to him when we do. Reading the Bible when you haven't opened your heart to that isn't so effective. But actually when you come to it, and you let him speak, then he will. I want to pick up the idea of the Bible being Christocentric again. The Bible Project puts it really simply like this. The Bible is a unified story pointing towards Jesus. 
It's, a, it's one story. The whole Bible is together. It's all God-breathed, and Jesus is the thread that runs through it. C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis even puts it like this. We come to scripture not to learn a subject, but to steep ourselves in a person. That person being Jesus. He takes it one step further that actually we cover ourselves in him by digging into the word. We don't go just to learn something. We don't go to gain more head knowledge, but we go to see Jesus where we find him most easily, which is in the word. When we feast on the word, we feast on Jesus. It's a bit of a strange idea maybe to feast on a person, but but it's there. It's valid. Time spent in scripture is time spent with Jesus. Jesus loves us and challenges us. It's a loving challenge to read the scriptures because that's how he is with us. He's gentle, but he wants us to be refined. It changes us and it can shape you to look more like him and see more of him every day that you read it, if you just let it. So I want to look at the how as well. How do we feast on the word? How do we steep ourselves in the person of Jesus, like C.S. Lewis says? Last week, Claire spoke of research from the Talking Jesus Report. It was a really interesting conversation. Um, if, you, if you weren't there for it, definitely go back and listen. Um, some really interesting statistics about how people are so open at the moment to hearing about God. But there's also the thing that stuck with me, I guess, as a teacher rather than an evangelist, was the stat about the people in the church itself, that the 6% of the UK that are practicing Christians, the standard for practicing Christian was that they went to church at least once a month and read the Bible at least once a week. I don't know about you, but I don't think that sounds like feasting. I think there's higher standards for us as Christians, for us as a community, to hold for ourselves and to hold for each other, that actually there's place for feasting rather than just being practicing Christians. Wouldn't it be good to be a church of feasting Christians, not just practicing Christians? Firstly, for me, it's it's daily. Feasting on the word is a daily thing. It's daily returning to that place. The idea of daily provision and daily reconnection with God is so key throughout scripture. In Exodus, we see the Israelites believing for God's provision each day, believing that he will give them manna from heaven each day. They had to collect enough for that day and believe that it would come again tomorrow. In the Psalms, we see this idea of daily connection again and again. Psalm 5.3 says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. Psalm 61.8, Then I will ever sing in praise of your name and fulfill my vows day after day. Psalm 68.19, Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. In Matthew 6, when Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, when he teaches us to pray, he says, what? Give us this day our monthly bread. Give us this day our weekly bread. No, he, he says, give us this day our daily bread. It's not just a call to scripture each day, but it's a call to the secret place. Day after day, daily prayer, daily devotion, daily commitment, daily returning for God's daily provision that he wants to give us. These all will have different rhythms for different seasons. 
You may have noticed I mentioned Exodus a couple of times this morning. That's probably because I've been reading through the Bible in a year this year. I just read through Exodus and God's speaking through it. I'm now reading Leviticus. All scripture is God breathed. Um, (laughs) God is still speaking through Leviticus as well. Maybe not as much, maybe not as clearly, but there's still things for us to take from those books of the Bible that find, we find challenging, we find difficult. At the moment, I'm working this rhythm out, doing the Bible in a year. It's been a couple of months, but it's still a bit of a muddle to get into it. Some days it's great, but more often than not, I feel a bit rushed or I have to end up listening in the car or listening later in the day or going back to it days later. We're all muddling to find these rhythms and work them out because there's distraction, there's things that get in the way. We're all doing that together, are we not? I don't read through the Bible every year. Rhythms change and rhythms need often freshening up. There are seasons when we can focus on a verse or two a day. After 2020, when I read the whole Bible, I spent nine months of 2021 reading through Matthew. And God showed up as much in one book than he did in the whole Bible. There's value in changing those rhythms so that they stay fresh. There's value in reading through big chunks of scripture. There's value in reading one or two verses a day and allowing God to speak through them. But I know for some of us that the rhythm you have probably would rarely look like sitting and reading large chunks of scripture because maybe you find reading difficult. Maybe your season of life doesn't allow you time to sit and read But there are so many ways that we can and that we do engage with the Bible. The scripture transcends all disciplines. I'd go as far to say that it it goes under all encounters that we have with God. It is there throughout. The scripture shapes every worship song that we sing. If it doesn't, we probably shouldn't be singing it. The scripture shapes every sermon that you hear. If it doesn't, you probably shouldn't be listening. The scripture shapes all prayers, all prayers that hold real weight find their origin in scripture. All prophecy should be rooted in biblical truth. The list goes on. But what I'm saying is this, that I don't want you to feel limited by having to, to read lots of scripture a day. That's not what I'm saying. But maybe you awaken this moment to the fact that scripture transcends all of the things that you do when you try to encounter the Lord. Actually, he meets you in scripture probably more often than you recognize. As we talk about rhythms, John Tyson put it like this, if we don't have sacred rhythms, we will be swallowed whole by the secular ones. Who can relate to that? I can relate to that. (laughs) Who knows how easy it is to get sucked into a daily rhythm that looks no different from our non-believing neighbors? That maybe you wake up, you look at your phone in bed, you look at Instagram, you go and eat your breakfast while watching something on the TV, you go to work, you engage in the same conversations as your colleagues, you have your lunch break looking at the news or at social media or watching sports highlights, that's what I do, there's always football to watch. You come home, you cook dinner whilst watching Netflix and then you sit in front of the TV and you watch the news potentially before you go to bed. Who knows how easy it is to find yourself in those rhythms? Because that's what culture is shaping us into. That's what culture gives us at the moment. 
But if you do any of those things, if you watch the news each day, if you watch TV each day, if you go on social media each day, but you don't root yourself in Jesus each day, then something, something there has to shift, I believe, that actually your soul will be heavy laden if you just look at what this world gives us and not what Jesus gives us hope in. We need daily reminders of Jesus because living in this culture, living with the news that we see each day is difficult. But actually there's hope. We have hope. We believe in that. John Mark Comer put it like this, we become like whatever it is we gaze upon, whether that is a TV or the Trinity, whether that is TikTok or the Trinity. We become like what we see. We become like what we consume. And if that isn't first and foremost biblical truth, if that isn't scripture, if that isn't encounter with Jesus, then we set ourselves up for failure. We have to prioritize sacred rhythms so that we're not swallowed whole by secular ones. So it comes down to this. For me, I've wanted to put it simply this morning. I didn't want to give you a list of things to go and do, but actually, simply put, it comes down to daily returning, which is produced through sacred rhythms that we prioritize in our lives. So I wanted to give us an opportunity this morning to reflect, to actually think about our rhythms and where they sit currently. Like I said at the start, this is a talk. This isn't something that will change you. But actually, if you reflect on your own things, then maybe God will speak through that. Maybe he can prompt you in different ways this morning. Do you make time for scripture and solitude in your days and in your weeks? Do you rely on daily bread? I want to give you two minutes just with the person next to you. One minute each. Just discuss what do your rhythms look like at the moment? What is an encouragement within your rhythms? Maybe what is challenging? What are you finding difficult? Um, yeah, go two minutes. You've had one minute, so if you've only one person spoken, switch over so the other one gets a chance.
Okay, that's two minutes. Just draw your conversation to a close. Um, did many of you in those conversations stray into actually what gets in the way? I hesitate to say excuses, but maybe there are excuses in us that look like getting in the way. It's easy to do. As soon as we talk about this sort of thing, it's easy to go into actually, I find this difficult actually, I'm struggling with this. And our human nature leads us into shame or guilt or excuses that draw away from actually what God wants to do. So I don't want to just gloss over that. don't want to gloss over the, the reasons that we've, that we may have listed this morning. I don't want you to leave that, leave here with that being the thing that looms over you. But actually let's dig into that for a minute. There are reasons that our routines don't look the way that we want them to. And what are those for you? What are the things that get in your way? What are the blocks? And actually, what is beneath that? I want to go a level deeper this morning, as we've been learning to do at Burlington this last year. Actually, it's more than just what is on the surface, but actually, there might be a lie, a lie or a belief that sits beneath that. Do you struggle to believe that God speaks through his scriptures? Do you just think that scripture is boring? Do you fear time in solitude for what thoughts might creep in so you avoid it at all costs? Do you see that the Bible is something of a restrictive cage rather than a spacious place for us to dwell in? What are the lies? What are the beliefs? Just have 30 seconds to reflect on that. And then again, you'll share with your neighbor um, and encourage each other. Um, encourage each other in prayer um, and come back to this. But just have 30 seconds now to reflect on that. Now just share that again with your neighbor, talk it through, see if there's something there to lean into.
Okay, just draw those again to a close. Um, if the band could come and join me, um, that would be great. Band. So yeah, let's, let's stay in this, in this posture for a minute of, of leaning into what God is saying. What is God speaking to you this morning? What is God saying? How do you feel about it? And what are you going to do as a response? Maybe God's spoken to you through something this morning. Maybe you feel like he hasn't. Maybe he's nudging you to get into the scriptures again. Maybe he's encouraging you that you are doing that. I just want to lead us into a prayer to finish and then we'll go into a song. Father, would you, would you continue to speak through this, this week? Lord, what you've nudged this morning, would we be open to? Would our hearts be open to? Would you show us where you're leading us? Where you're leading us to be feasting Christians, not just practicing Christians. That as a community, we can encourage one another to feast on you. To feast on you in the word. To feast on you in worship and intimacy with you in the secret place. And from that place, we can go out to invite others. We can go out into our spiritual battles, Lord, and you can show us the way. You'd equip us with the sword of the Spirit, as well as challenge us inwardly. Jesus, would you guide us as we go into this week? We return this all back to praise to you now.